It's the New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Be sure to check out the NewEnglandTake.com, my brand new website that I'm building out. Uh, all the articles and uh, videos and such are all posted there from the show. Excited to uh, welcome some more contributors. If you want to reach out to the New England Take at gmail.com, looking for more people to contribute, whether you're a content creator, politics, otherwise, I don't care. I just want to have interesting people writing for my site or producing content for the site. Excited to be joined this week again by Matt Robeson of Beyond Politics fame. Be sure to check out his podcast and his latest journeys in political writing and everything. Welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure. So what's the latest, greatest for people who want to check out what you're up to? Got a new article coming out in Newsweek. Should be out shortly. I'm talking about the fact that uh, the AI apocalypse is not something to worry about because it's already happened. It certainly has. People have no idea how bad, badly it's already happened. But yeah, excited to check that out. And so I'll, I'll give that a share because I've spoken to lawyers when it comes to kind of the uh, patent and kind of more technology. Like the IP over. side of it. Yeah, but there's a lot more to it. Yeah, people are worried about the wrong thing. I'll give you a hint. Um, AI has wedged itself inside our brains and it's not like it's a little bit like the vampire principle in the lost boys you you never invite a vampire inside your house it renders you powerless we have invited the vampire inside our brains and we've been rendered powerless they won the machines won they own us now i'm also doing a ton of videos uh, we have a we have a youtube channel called blue amp now look a lot of your viewers, your listeners on radio, probably a little bit more right-leaning. You may not agree with the stuff we do, but it's a lot of fun videos on Blue Amp. So look, if you like the kind of stuff that I'm doing, uh, people will check us out there, Blue Amp and the Beyond Politics podcast. Definitely suggest people check that out. This is, there's a lot more to to uh, the political spectrum than what you may get for what you see every day. Check out some of the other side. It's definitely worthwhile. So speaking of politics, that's what we're going to be talking about today. I mean, let's just start off with, I mean, the state of the, we're recording this on Wednesday, February 8th. This is going to be released on this afterwards. But I, I mean, the state of the union was last night and I I did not watch it. I have no intention of watching it. I'm going to listen to all the, uh, the professional political pundits that actually do this for a full-time living, do all the analysis of that 90 minutes of nonsense that we do every couple of years or every year over at... Uh, over at the cap over in Congress. I, I just I want this thing to go away. I don't know what your take is on this kind of, this uh I mean I don't even know what to call it. It's just nonsense. It's political theater and you know occasionally you do get nuggets that are significant on the Beyond Politics show, which we do a roundtable discussion with Republican, a Republican, a Democrat, and me. I'm a Democrat, but I'm a pretty center kind of Democrat. So I, I kind of try to play down the middle. And we were talking about this. And and look, I mean, there are instances where the State of the Union address has changed things, where it's actually made a policy impact. It's, you know, it, it's had an impact on the budget deficit. It's had an impact on Social Security. It had a major impact when George W. Bush spoke the 16 untrue words about WMD that got him in so much hot water. There are, there are instances where it matters. Nowadays, it really is in our high partisan polarization era. It is really much more about each side having an unalloyed opportunity to whack at each other, which is bad. I'm not sure why that's good, 
Uh, I'm not sure what good comes out of it. I think both sides get to be a little bit unintentionally revealing about themselves. For example, the Republicans chose Sarah Huckabee Sanders, one of the most magafied MAGA fights to ever MAGA her way down the pike. And, um, you know, look, here's the Republican Party that's trying to turn the page on Donald Trump, on the long national nightmare of Donald Trump. And they're trying to say, hey, you know what? Um, could we all just like kind of forget about that? I mean, we still want all you Republican base MAGA voters to vote for us, but could we interest you in a nice DeSantis model this year? And so, you know, they've got all that and they're like, you know, it would be great. Her new avatar of Republicanism is going to be Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Wow. Back to the future, baby. Um, that's This is where we're at. It's 2017 and we're, we're loaded up for bear. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of theater. It was a lot of ugliness. I mean, that whole like you lie thing for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, my gosh. Well, like, just, it, we've we've gotten so bad. And I, I blame Trump for for kind of changing some of the more some of the political theater when it comes to it, where uh, the, the she, he triggered the Dems to such an extreme that they all lost their damn minds during those state of the unions. And we're all going to dress in whites and we're going to act like we haven't been working with this person since he was elected into office. And he's the it's just it's just more political polarization in theater, 100 percent. Well, remember, it goes back to I'd say the modern era uh, of and I want to be clear, I could not give a toss about decorum. People talk about, well, it's a loss, <laughs> a loss of decorum, a loss of civility. Who cares? I don't care about civility. What I care about is functional working relationships. Yeah. I care about a working government that's focused on stuff that I care about in terms of taking care of my kids and making sure they have a future and making sure that, you know, the Russians don't take over our country. That's that's what I care about. And so decorum, pff, I, that's not the issue. The issue is if you lose all ability to work functionally together as a government. And the modern era of dysfunction in that regard was kicked off in the 2009 State of the Union address by Southern South Carolina Congressman Joe Wilson, who thought it was cool to yell, you lie, because I guess the president is black now. So like that, that thing is down. I'm not like just throwing around casual racism charges. I'm just saying that at some point it, it seemed okay. It was no longer, there was no longer a barrier up here where it's like, you know, we don't get along politically, but we've got to work together. We've got to find a way to have productive conversations together. I go back to a time as a staffer on Capitol Hill where I worked with a generation of staffers who would work for Republicans. And then when the majority changed, if they were a subject matter expert, they'd work for Democrats and vice versa because they cared about the business. They cared about the country. They cared about the issues, homeland security, foreign affairs. And that is gone. And, uh, you know, the first break in that wall that was so public was the Joe Wilson incident. Yeah, and then you look over how the media handles it too. I mean, I literally saw a headline on from Politico. It was one of the founders, I think, wrote the opinion piece that this was on, and he's outright saying the GOP are just showing their lack of values and back and forth, and they they don't they don't care about the the uh, operating of the government anymore. And it's like, dude, like the same thing happened during Trump with the other side. Like it's the media is just as guilty as the politicians and all this. Well, in my opinion, I think. I think it's the lack of honesty. You know, yeah. there's the saying in pub, in politics that it's it's never the crime, it's the cover up. I mean, that's not really true. The crime matters, right? Like it should. I think I think crimes matter, but there is an element where it, it seems to matter more to people if you're trying to skate over something you've done or you're trying to be dishonest. And there was a dishonesty 
in that moment. What President Biden was saying was very true and very full of proof in the words of the Bard. Republic, the, the, the head of the Republican Senate committee, Senator Rick Scott of Florida, has put forward a plan that would sunset Social Security and Medicare. That is true. That is something that he has put forward. And under House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the Republicans have knuckled under to a demand from the Freedom Caucus that they not allow a debt ceiling increase with changes to entitlement programs. What are entitlement programs? Social Security and Medicare. Well, what does change mean? It means you're going to cut back. Now, let's all be honest. Let's take some truth serum for a second. We need to do that. I'm a Democrat. We need to cut Social Security and Medicare. If by cut you mean we can't spend the amount that we're obligated to spend over the next 30 years, yeah. our net liability in those programs is $104 trillion. Um, no, thank you. We yeah. cannot afford that. And, and it's still not enough for any of the people that are taking it to be able to actually live off of it. Oh, it, precisely. And so it's it's not it, it's it's not serving either end. But can we have I mean, can we have an honest conversation about that? No, no, <laughs> you are right. I will cop to this, A.J. Kirstead, because you 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 Republican so and so you have a point when you say that Democrats are not being fully honest and are are playing politics with the entitlements issue because they are they are trying to put that front and they're leveraging that emotional issue when they know deep down full well in their hearts that the path we're on is unsustainable. But I think the Republicans, again, if we're all taking truth serum here, are being doubly dishonest yeah. because they know it too. And they're trying to pretend that's not what they're calling for. As Politico put it this morning, why can't Rick Scott and the Republicans just take the L here and just say, yep, you caught us. We're calling for cuts to Social Security and Medicare because we believe that the long-term debt is more important. All right, own up what you're for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, it was Jen Monroe on Twitter, which is a pretty well-known uh, libertarian account, uh, was was saying today is like, when did the narrative change around Republicans not wanting to privatize Social Security? This has been what they've been talking about for decades, and now all of a sudden they're saying, no, we never said that. It's not, not, never was part of what we were going to do. It's like, no. I, like I, the, I remember growing up when W was in office that this was up for discussion because they saw the, the sunset of the financial viability of the program being being really a problem but i don't know this kind of goes into the main premise of why i wanted to have you on on this week because because i got annoyed on twitter and i was seeing uh isn't that what twitter's for oh yeah it's exactly what it's for i get annoyed right so good job twitter yay elon it i thrive off the chaos it's beautiful don't anyone that thinks i don't like twitter because i i whine about it on on my show like no no no. i love it It, it's great it's fantastic for those listening not watching uh aj is literally tapping his veins right now he's like come on you know all right i got i got my browser open it's right there and basically i had this the this epiphany like i love politics i love discussing politics um the process is fascinating. I, like I'm half a legal journalist, so I cover a lot of aspects of that, and all that side's interesting. But politicians, like the the nature of being a politician, and I don't know if it's just a matter of the politicians I've seen in my adult life versus before. Maybe maybe things changed over time, but it just seems 
Like, I just get grossed out. I mean, that, that's the most based way of, of phrasing it is it, the, the actual process by which politicians do their job on the House of Congress, of Congress, for example, is I just find gross. Like, I had Cindy Warmington on, who's an executive counselor here in New Hampshire, in one of my early episodes before I really had a good feel of what the heck I was doing with this program. And, and like, halfway through, it's like I saw a shift. And we, she started diving into, like, oh, we're, we're just – speaking this talking is policy points. this yes yeah, talking points it's not policy it's not this is how we're going to do anything it's like we need to do women's rights are blah de blah and reproductive rights blah de blah i'm like yeah that wasn't what i was talking about <laughs> yes I, there there is a moment when you're interviewing a politician where you feel like you could translate their name if if their name you know how like Native Americans have a rich cultural heritage where their names actually mean something. Yeah. And it's like you could almost translate a politician's name into repeats, talking points phonetically. Like that would be my yeah. Native American name if I were a politician. I mean, I have good news for you, AJ. You are an American. You fall into a rich American political tradition where you like politics, you hate politicians, and your platonic ideal of a politician is it's the zen it's like the matrix there is no spoon it's i only want a politician who is reluctant who doesn't want to be a politician this actually the the, the tradition goes back to there was an organization called the 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 or the uh the, the society of the cincinnati which was named after the roman general cincinnatus who was essentially dragooned into providing service to the roman empire when they were under attack from the visigoths came out protected the empire, went back to his farm and his fields. And the idea here was this was this was the point of the volunteer revolutionary army. Uh, the first president of the Society of the Cincinnati was George Washington. And for a long time, it was the tradition in American politics that if you were a candidate for president, you did not campaign because it was considered unseemly to be promoting yourself as part of the political process. We lost that at some point and mm -hmm. bigly, as Donald Trump would say. But I think your distaste, that that kind of cognitive dissonance you have, that's quintessentially American, man. So good for you. Good for you. I mean, that's the reason. I mean, I've always I've always been involved in politics and loved politics. My dad was big time into politics. He's a big reason why I have a lot of my political opinions that I currently have is because of my dad. And like it was always like, oh, someday I might run for some position or something like that. And then I discovered the media and like like this is also pretty bad, but I could deal with this. <laughs> and I, like I I couldn't comprehend being a a, a press secretary or um like really being that dedicated to a candidate as someone who's who's managed to do that in your career to, to some extent like like how do you like how do you deal with that it's not like a moral thing i'm saying it's bad to to be in these positions i think they're extremely necessary to the operation of our government and our society as a whole or people that have public service like i like i'm now i work for the state now like there's a certain level of what I do that's part of that, but I'm kind of in a I'm in an executive branch department. Like it's it's not necessarily dealing with directly with the legislature or anything like that. But it, it's more that dissonance. Yeah, it's. I mean, look, I've I have appreciated and genuinely liked and believed in by and large. 
the people that I've worked for, I, I would say almost without exception. And so that's that's an advantage mm. right there. But, you know, like like anything else, um, you get annoyed at your boss. You're not going to agree with your boss all the time. I mean, I'll give you an example. I worked for Mike Michaud from Maine, member of Congress, later ran for governor, and he was pro-life when he was in Congress. I am pro-choice and I have people in my party nowadays. Nowadays, this is like a non-starter. You would never do yeah. that. But at that time, there were still people who would say, well, I, you can't possibly do that. And I said, no, no, no. First of all, I'm working for him because I believe in the larger picture of what he stands for, what he believes in. It's about the service. It's about the government and it's about the country. This is my opportunity to make a difference. And as a staffer enabled through his position as an elected person, he gave me the opportunity to work on economic development and to create a commission, an economic development commission that's channeled something like $80 million into distressed communities in New England, people who are poor, people who lack opportunities, people who now have more infrastructure and jobs and opportunities opportunities because of that. So I'm proud of that. And that's a trade-off that I'm willing to make. But more to the point about abortion, it was also an opportunity for me to do a little bit of advocacy and educating and to engage in some conversations with someone who didn't necessarily agree with me, but was open-minded. Isn't that what the political process should be about? Isn't that what we do on this show? Yeah. I mean, that that's the big problem I have with with the, the staff and the, the the deep staters, whatever you want to call them, that turnover is the is the the meme is the deep staters that run worldwide everything. conspiracy it, is the it, term we prefer. Exactly that if you lose if you just dump off like you don't want to have a voice in the room. Like, isn't it best to have a voice in the room? You may disagree with eighty percent of what's going on, but if you're not in the room to kind of advocate for the other side to to be that reasonable what you view personally as a reasonable uh, point to maybe kind of minimize the amount of destruction the in your opinion that this person's going to do that's tremendously valuable i mean it's the reason why i stayed in higher ed as long as i did is is because i thought i could especially in my communications roles is kind of bring a different voice to the table that maybe other people may not consider like i was the low man out when it came to a lot of uh, the ethical discussions a lot of things but if i wasn't there to at least say hey a lot of people on the other side aren't going to take it that way. Uh, that, that's super important. One of my favorite politicians, a Republican, Al Simpson of Wyoming, former senator. People may remember him if, to the extent that they do from the Simpson-Bowles Commission, which was set up uh, to try to get a handle on our finances. And he used to say that in Washington, although I don't think it's just in Washington, I think it's everywhere. Integrity is all that matters. If you have it, that's all that matters. And if you don't have it, that is all that matters. We've seen that in spades during the Trump administration. And I think ultimately that's the difference between someone like Joe Biden and Donald Trump. People hate Joe Biden for some reason that I've never been able to put together. They have this uh, let's go Brandon meme. They, they react viscerally to him if they're of a certain political ilk. But I think it's very hard to argue unless you're part of that small segment of the country that has that kind of visceral reaction. It's very hard to argue that he's not fundamentally someone with integrity and someone who is willing to work with people. He was just with Mitch McConnell in Kentucky announcing the the start of work on a bridge that Mitch has been trying to get done for decades and is now going to happen because of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. He's someone you could work with, which is why he was able to operate in Washington. And he kept his word 
for the most part. That's just a fundamental difference from a guy like Donald Trump, who's, can I say, screwed on the radio? Sure. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm speaking of uh, I'm speaking of uh, hardware, but he's screwed small business contractors at every turn. Right. I mean, it's that kind of lack of integrity that tells the whole story right there. I think what people are looking for, the, the, your cognitive dissonance about you love politics, you hate politicians, to some degree, I think, comes down to authenticity and integrity. And those things matter. You want a sense that the people who are in government, who are supposed to be doing your work for you on behalf of our country and and, and your government, they, you want them to be open-minded and reasonable, and you want them to have principles and beliefs, but you know, you, you want them to be like Mike Mischow, the kind of guy who can come into office pro-life, but have conversations and evolve and think and, you know, and, and learn and work with the other side a little bit. And it doesn't all just come down to the political game. Matt Robeson of Beyond Politics. Check out his podcast and all major podcast platforms. Check out the Blue Amp channel also on YouTube, where you'll check out clips from Beyond Politics podcast. Thanks, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. And you can find this show on Blue Amp. It's going up there, baby. Yes. It's the New England Take. I'm your host, AJ Kearsett. The New England Take.com. We'll talk to you soon.